And welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Marking the 30th episode of the series, today's show should be as much of a surprise to Autographs fans as it was to your host, Matt Storm. Somewhere out in the Atlantic Ocean, between New York and Bermuda, on board the Celebrity Summit cruise ship, Matt, who was on his honeymoon at the time, had the honor of meeting Matt Donnelly and Paul Mattingly, comedians based out of Las Vegas, who, together with Jacob Smith, have a podcast called Matt and Mattingly's Ice Cream Social. The podcast, described as tackling issues of the day or week and jock verse nerd issues of the week or century, is an official spin-off of Penn's Sunday School podcast, which Matt Donnelly co-hosts with Penn Gillette. You can also find Matt and Paul at their improv show in Las Vegas, called Matt and Mattingly's Bucket Show, and Paul at his other podcast, Geek Shock. Jacob, who does sound engineering for the podcast, is also a sound engineer for other shows in the Las Vegas area, such as Absinthe at Caesars Palace. With Matt and Paul teaching improv classes aboard the Celebrity Summit, it was there that they met with Matt Storm for an impromptu podcast under the Autographs banner. In front of a small audience, you can hear them talk about the origin of their show, the state of comedy, and the difference between pushing the envelope and advocating reprehensible behavior. So without further ado, here's Matt Storm and Matt, Paul, and Jacob of Matt and Mattingly's Ice Cream Social. And welcome to the, another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. I've got very special guests on uh, a boat, so they can't run away. They can't go anywhere. <laughs> They're trapped with me. Um, it's the guys of the Ice Cream Social podcast, and um, as, as well as many other talents. Uh, Jacob, Paul, and Matt, um, if you guys want to introduce yourselves and talk a little bit just about what you do on the show and maybe what you do outside the show, just give a brief intro. Uh, sure, uh, Matt Donnelly as uh, my comedy partner, Paul Mattingly. We have uh, a couple of endeavors. One is in Las Vegas. We run a live improv show called The Bucket Show, and those we run on a podcast called Matt and Mattingly's Ice Cream Social, which incorporates, of course, Jacob the audio guy Woo-hoo. over here. And Jacob, you're the audio guy. I'm the audio guy. I'm the uh, the the audio producer, whatever you want to call it. And I'm an audio guy in Las Vegas, and I do this podcast. Yep. Or not this podcast, but I do a podcast called Matt and Mattingly's Ice Cream Social. And our improv endeavors have led us to booking a gig here on the lovely Celebrity Summit. Yep. We have, uh, we'd been putting the word out for a couple of months about this job, and sure enough, some scoops took us up on the offer, and we have fans of our podcast joined us for listeners, the crew. Listeners, listeners, I was about, oh, <laughs> man, like you said fans, and that like raised my hackles. Really? It's it did. Pretty, it's, you've, you broke the rule three times today. <laughs> you say listener instead of fan? I never said the word fan. I think Why? It's yeah, I say to listeners say. too. I feel, I feel so... I, I think it's weird. Just weird. It's funny. It's even funny. If you ask me why, it's even funnier because we actually had a really already had a long discussion about this. Yeah, um, we had a, we had a discussion us? about it on the no, Ice Cream and, Social. Uh, on air, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, uh, I don't think these people picture themselves as being fans as much as they are as like friends. Like they just listen. Yeah. Like they, they listen to other stuff. So I think calling people fans implies that like we're their thing. Sure. Whereas like I think listener implies that we happen to be one of their things. 
So Penn want, and Teller never say the word fans, so I've learned from them. I don't never say the word. They fans. are good people to follow in the footsteps. That's actually of. probably a good idea. Yeah, I'd I guess so. as a nerd fanatic, I lo- <laughs> I'm I'm fanatical about a lot of shit. So right. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Um. So thank you guys for being on the show. Of course, it would be up to me to find podcasters on my honeymoon and then interview them. <laughs> I love my wife very much. Yeah. I love my wife Sarah very much. Um. <laughs> so um. I guess I'll start with. Uh, for Matt and Paul, how you guys kind of got started in improv and comedy, where where that kind of came from? Was it something you've been doing since you were kids and and performing in shows, or is it something you found kind of later on? Oh, we we started a very separate path. We, we've only worked with each other for the last um, six years, but we've both been doing comedy for about twenty years each. Mm-hmm. Wow! And um, is it something that you went to school for and did improv training and all of that? Y- yes and no, right? Yes and no. I started college for theater. I left college for improv. Uh, I found improv while I was uh, rehearsing for a theater uh, class. I saw kids in the corner of the place we were playing. I could tell they were playing improv games, and I went over and hung out with them. They were all college dropouts. They were all cool kids. That was my first improv group, Improv Nito. We ended up uh, working in Louisville, Kentucky for a couple years after that, performing at the Twice Told Coffee House, putting up shows, getting things done. And uh, then that led to jobs at King's Island, where I was uh, doing, you know, uh, seasonal work, and then I ended up doing character work as a Klingon, and then I became a Klingon in Las Vegas, and then Second City opened up in Las Vegas. Before that, I left to go study improv again in L.A., and then Second City came to Las Vegas while I was a Klingon, and then I became full-time Second City and part-time Klingon, and then both of them closed and left me high and dry. Wow, that's that's a long and lush history. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is mine's, yours uh, as a long and lush? Mine's one? equally lush. Oh, okay. Uh, and an equal number of Klingons as well. Yeah, right? yeah, I played a Klingon as well. Uh, no, I actually, I went to performing arts high school, and then there also was an improv show in my town, coincidentally. So I started studying improv and acting at the same time, but separately. Uh, I started Improv Jam in Red Bank, New Jersey uh, in the 90s. And then I also went to Red Bank Regional High School for performing arts as well. And uh, went to Monkler State for acting. I got bored with that, so I started, also started studying Chicago City Limits and Upright Citizens Brigade while I was also going to school for acting. So I've always pursued improv and acting completely and separately at the same time. Wow, that sounds taxing. Uh, it's actually really fun. What you find is that uh, classes outside of college much cheaper than classes in college. Mm-hmm. I am unsurprised by that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, I was curious how you guys started your podcast specifically. I'm sure your listeners know. Obviously, the people in the room know. But maybe for my listeners, if you could tell how that podcast kind of well, That's who we're be. talking to. Fuck these people in the room. <laughs> um, uh, can we say fuck on your podcast? Yes, you can. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah, I should have sure. asked that ahead of time. Uh, you know, Paul's been part of a, a very popular podcast already. He was a part of something called uh, Geek Shock, uh, which has been going on for how many years, Paul? And we're coming up on seven with uh, the Ugly Couch Show and the Geek Shock podcast. And uh, so uh, Paul's part of Geek Shock, and I knew he was part of a popular podcast. I was a guest on that show several times. So I really enjoyed it. And um, Paul and I were doing improv around Vegas a lot. Um, and then I got hired to do uh, Penn Sunday School as a co-host with Penn Gillette. And that podcast is very popular. Yes. Um, but just, uh, uh, I, basically, like, Penn is a very busy busy man. And sure. so I end up interacting with our listeners a lot, uh, as he does not uh, <laughs> as frequently. I mean, he'll reply to Twitter and stuff like that. Sure. But, like, you know, I was a- I started answering mail and all this other stuff. And I kind of just realized that we had a listenership that uh, could probably use more podcasting in their life. And so um, 
I wanted to do, uh, I thought I could do another one. I knew that Penn could not. Uh, so right. I reached out to Paul. I was like, we're already doing comedy with each other all the time. But, and you, we already know the podcast space. Why don't we do a podcast together? Awesome. And so what's the podcast typically about? Is it just a chat show? Is um, it comedy focused? Definitely comedy focused. Uh, it's certainly, we're, we're, we talk, we definitely come at life from a Vegas perspective. And we kind of, uh, I think Vegas is a unique city to live in. Uh, and so I think we kind of just enjoy uh, busting each other's balls and uh, kind of talking about Vegas living as well as the entertainment world in general. Uh, and then we really kind of create create a community with our listeners and we and they, they actually supply a good the majority of the content we discuss on air. Yeah. We spend about a third talking about our week and we spend a th- uh, uh, basically two thirds, a little under two thirds talking uh, to them through listener mail. And then we spend like the very tail end uh, doing a segment we call Jock versus Nerd, where Paul and I celebrate uh, the glaring differences between us, where <laughs> we talk about his nerd stuff and my jock stuff. Yeah, um, I think that's fascinating. As somebody who is kind of into both, it's kind of cool that you guys encourage the listeners to, to yeah. ask you questions and challenge you. The questions we've been getting from our listeners have been fantastic lately. It's just like it's gotten better and better. For a long time, we were trying to come up with our own each week, and it, and it, it, we were we were running dry. I disagree. I find them too challenging. I often get them wrong. <laughs> oh, I see. Well, you could do more research and get into more nerd stuff. I suppose. Yeah, that would involve work, and so <laughs> I'm really kind of. I really just like to make it easier on me. I when, appreciate. When he it. says that you often get them wrong, you rarely gets them right. <laughs> <laughs> That's very telling. Yeah. Um, so I do a bad job representing jocks. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were doing a bad re- uh, job representing nerds. I, that's that what too. I assumed. Yes, <laughs> well, correct. Um, so do you want to talk a, a little bit about uh, how that segment came to be? Is it, was it just because you guys n- have glaring differences in your well, off-the-air stuff? We, you know, we're, we're lucky. When, you know, I've been doing the podcasting thing for a while, and Matt has been at it for a while now, too. And you know, we were able to look at it all objectively, and we know you come into a podcast, you got to have a little hook. And that was kind of our first little hook. We're like, yeah. we'll do a jock versus nerd segment. That'll be something we can actually do every week. And I would actually say that was my initial job for the whole podcast. I thought that would be just a good podcast to have called uh, Matt and Manly Jock versus Nerd. Uh, but the truth is, when I talked to Penn uh, Gillette about making our podcast an official spinoff podcast, um, he was into the idea. Oh, cool. Wanted, wanted, wanted it to be part of the Penn Sunday School family, and he wanted to really kind of brand it something with that like churchy vibe that Penn Sunday School has. So uh, over lunch after Penn Sunday School, he said, why don't you call it the Ice Cream Social? And I learned that when Penn says, why don't you try blank, do you blank. Do yeah. Yeah. And it tends to go your way. So that that makes um, sense. And then about what, 19 episodes in, we got scoops. Um, uh, we actually have someone in the van that seven episodes. He says seven. We have Great. we have a really diehard listener in the room who knows like who's been able to name every episode. Yeah, we have multiple, Steve but we have one. It. But Gelato Steve is here in the room. He's on it uh, on our cruise with <laughs> us right now, and he knows that it was episode seven. Around there Ish. that we came up with scoops. So scoops is the uh, affectionate term that we give to all of our listeners. They're scoops. And so I guess my next question is in regards to f- f- uh, listeners quoting stuff back at you. Do you find that you never remember what they're talking about? Because I personally, after reviewing over 150 albums, um, when someone says, do you remember when you said this about that album oh. ago? No, I, I don't imagine. remember saying that. I probably did. but No, I we absolutely don't. I'm telling you, this guy in this room knows more about Paul and I than we know about ourselves. It's true. Easily. Um, Go ahead. Uh, what? 
I'd also say that we also put it two episodes out a week. So it's like three hours of content. So the idea of trying to like hold that in your brain is impossible. Just as an avid listener. This is Steve. Hi, Gelato Steve here. Uh, As someone who's listened at least to an episode a day for the past, however, I mean, especially when I was uh, away, but uh, now even still, uh, I would say just uh, Matt and Paul are two of the coolest guys that you can listen to (laughs) (laughs) because they do, they balance each other out. They not afraid to kick each other in the balls. They're not afraid to give each other shit for one's miscomings. As you heard me just lay into Paul about the fan thing. Yeah. Right. And uh, really just uh, they're, they have uh, their array of knowledge is like a uh, very 50-50 Venn diagram. So like they're both knowledgeable about improv and certain things in the business. And then the other 50% does not cross over in the least. So you get quite an array of uh, as, as a listener – you really get to uh, get a broad spectrum. And then you have Jacob, the audio guy, who's just a wild card. <laughs> By a wild card, do you mean hick hillbilly? <laughs> That's, I, that is the definition. <laughs> That's a total shining endorsement from Delato Steve. So he is. It's not too Hopefully shabby. my fans will go check out you guys' stuff as well. That's what I always... Please uh, do. I yeah, enjoy yeah. cross promotion. Um, I would be amiss if I didn't talk a little bit about music because my main podcast, besides this one, Please. is we review albums every week. Um, I guess first I'd ask is, are all three of you guys avid music listeners? Do you have favorite bands? Yes. So can each of you name your favorite band or favorite couple of bands? At Nine Inch Nails, without question. All-time favorite. Good pick. We've reviewed, we reviewed their last album. Um, we were not completely kind to it because it wasn't as good as the previous stuff. I... I mean, I'm rose-tinted glasses, anything Trent Reznor touches, um, but I adore it. And the thing about um, Hesitation Marks for me is that uh, I Survived is actually my favorite track, and that was the one that's been derided by most people, but that's where I I just... He's got such a pop sensibility hiding under that screechy shit, and I love it, love it, love it. Um, I'm a big guy to buy voices head, too, so pop sensibility hiding underneath screechy shit is kind of where i live musically and uh yeah so i i adore that but i i love every album he's done there's really the man has no faults back if if seriously if you'd seen my dorm room in college you it would have terrified people it looked like a uh a a thing out of seven i had i think i think 68 different photographs of trent reznor on my wall and he also had a head in a box yeah (laughs) not to mention i mean the, the the pride and joy of it all was like uh uh a nine foot face poster just in the center of my room and i yeah i go i go all you would in. not have been surprised if you found out paul madley shot up a school um that is I'd the weirdest be, no, thing come on heard. come on i'd be surprised that no, was great but i yeah no after hearing that i wouldn't be okay at that point at that time a couple more bad turns you never know but no i, I love them jacob i actually have no idea what you listen to right now i'm on a big zeppelin kick Oh yeah, the, the, oh, those that, guys they're going to be pretty big I hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're going to they're going to really blow up. This is Oh, let me write this down. Led Zeppelin music? Yeah, yeah. That's them. <laughs> is that with two Z's? Yeah, yeah. Um well actually it's funny that you bring up Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin is one of those bands that have created the most problems for me uh growing up listening to music because my favorite rock and roll band of all time is Queen. I've always loved Queen. I think they're oh, one of the greatest bands of all time. Not a bad but choice. I've never really been a Led Zeppelin fan. And it's not because I don't think they're good because that would be stupid to mm-hmm. say. Right. Yeah. It's because I'm just not into their stuff. And yeah. I would have huge fights with friends of mine because I'd say, oh, I'm not really into Zeppelin. Like, How do you not like Zeppelin? Mm-hmm. I will say that my I, favorite front man of all time by a lot is Freddie Mercury. Oh, absolutely, sure. yeah. I, I mean, like, like, 
yeah, I mean, all, all of those like those top five guys that always get argued about who the best front man is of all time. Like Freddie somehow always ends up like number three or four, oh, and I, I never. I feel understand like Mick Jagger would be like, "Oh, come on, Fred, Freddie Mercury." <laughs> Mercury. Yeah, 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 like he's just better. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by far. I I do I love Queen and I I love yeah. I get a great. classic rock kind of vibe from you, Jacob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here with long shaggy hair. <laughs> it just a, happens. And some weird weird beard, rock beard. You have a rock beard. I have a rock beard. You have a very shallow rock beard. Yeah. <laughs> and personality, shallow personality as well. So what about you, Matt? What do you have a favorite band? Uh, well, I'm from the great state of New Jersey. <laughs> oh, yes. And so I I know way too much about Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Nice. Uh, I think I just I think we just have to love him, I think, more than anything. And what's funny is that outside of uh, Springsteen, I'm a big alt-rock guy. Oh, cool. Like, like who in alt-rock? So, like, lately I've been getting into, like, L. King. Nice. Um, I, like, I really, I've, like, I just bought Alt-J's two albums. Alt-J we reviewed on the podcast as well. Yeah, yeah. I love, their last album I really like a lot because it's actually kind of really psychedelic and mm-hmm. Pink Floyd feeling. And I haven't heard, like, an album that really wanted to be, like, its own piece. Uh, before I heard that album in a really long time, that's like, kind of like meant to like you listen to in full. But I feel like All J's last album was meant to be listened to in full, like uh, like a Pink Floyd album. If you like all rock, there's actually a prog rock kind of all rock band that you might like. They're called Godsticks, and they're from um, overseas. I believe they're from Wales. Oh, and, cool. Uh, we reviewed them on the show, and actually, so this is the weird thing, speaking about uh, listeners and how it's weird that that kind of connection happens with podcasts. We have a fan in Wales. I don't know how. Yeah. We're based out of New York. And we have a fan in Wales, and they saw our review of Godsticks, told Godsticks about it, and Godsticks reached out to us. What? Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, this stuff happens. That's awesome. This yeah. is this is the thing. Podcasting teaches you just how small this world is. I did a review on Ugly Couch way back in the day for, uh, and here's the kicker, which is a book by Mike Sachs about uh, comedy writing. He reached out to me, and I ended up doing a great little phone interview with him. It's just like, yeah, it's a smaller world than you think. It's just crazy. Um, one thing that I find fascinating about talking to other podcasters is how small the world feels using the internet and the technology we have mm-hmm. now. Like this kind of stuff couldn't happen. You couldn't just record an in-depth interview in the room on a cruise ship like no, this. No, like, like no. this is not a thing you could have done even five years ago. No, not oh, easily. No. But now it, it's a lot easier. Um, One year ago. Yeah, I mean, and so uh, Jacob, you're obviously the sound tech for this, and you do a lot of sound work in Vegas. Do you find the technology has just kind of grown so rapidly in the last five years? Oh, it's jumping leaps and bounds. I mean, it, it's just growing exponentially every every year. It's crazy. I mean, the, the and what we lo- what we do in live sound. I mean, every year, if you don't keep up with it, like you you go into a gig. So I, I had I had one gig in Las Vegas that I did for five years, non nonstop, nothing else. Five years, just this one gig. And I did very few outside gigs. I got done with that gig and started getting back into kind of working on the bounce and working just a bunch of different shows and working just all this other stuff. And I realized that I was completely behind on everything that had happened. Oh, wow. So you it does change that quickly? Like, if you're working with one kind of soundboard for that long, you lose touch? How oh. would you stay up on that if you're not working with other soundboards? Is I it have, just a lot of reading? It's not just the sound boards. I mean, it, it's the speakers. It's the yeah. microphones. It's everything. It, it's, uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you can read it. You can go to shops and kind of look into it, I guess. But I mean, that's, that's much more proactive than I am. <laughs> so if I'm, not, if I'm not actively dealing with it, it's very unlikely that I'm going to, to really be around it. I get a general sense of lack of product, uh, proactivity. 
a bit. Oh, I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, do you? <laughs> just yeah, just going out there, which is fine because I'm also the same way. I'm going to take another stuff. drink while I think about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, right? That's fair. I mean, I'm. I'm no, no. I, He's saying we're lazy and we are. It's fine. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Um, we'll take that. And so do you guys have um, any desire to... So you came from a spinoff podcast and you guys have yeah. separate interests. Do you have any ideas for other podcasts building out a network even bigger? Other ideas? Uh, n- no, uh, not on the podcast front, only because this, the Ice Cream Social is really flexible. Like our listeners kind of tend to go where we go. So we actually have like, I'd say like 30% of our interviews, uh, 30% of our shows are interviews, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes we interview people who are famous or going to be famous. And sometimes we just interview people that we think are fascinating people. Um, and people kind of tend to like go along with mm-hmm. us with that. And so they kind of trust us at this point to kind of like uh, just uh, run our encounters, whichever direction we want. We did talk about having a secret subscriber list where we would put out extra episodes only to people on the secret subscription, but that's about it. Yeah, I think and, we and just got to see how far and how big we can take this one first before we can go further and branch out into right. network type possibilities. Well, I mean, uh, for instance, of just kind of going where we go, <laughs> just today, as 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 we uh, as as we do this show right now. Uh, the episode that came out today is an interview with Heidi Fleiss, the the famous Holly, Hollywood madam. Sure. We did not interview Heidi Fleiss about being a Hollywood madam. We interviewed her about the macaw, the the bird, the the giant, you know, parrot-like bird uh in her preservation efforts with the macaw. So Heidi Fleiss, the Hollywood madam that everyone knows that went to jail, you yeah. know, for tax evasion and and not turning over not and not turning over all of her her information and being, a being Hollywood a, madam by being a sheep pimp. Um, has somehow ended up, uh, even though she was born into being rich in Beverly Hills, she is now living in Pahrump on a compound where she no longer does anything unless it wants to take care of 18 giant birds. We went to that compound and interviewed her. Wow. Was that... Are you- Fascinating? Frightening? Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, because I am terrified of tiny birds. Like, I have a friend I play board games with regularly, and he doesn't keep his parakeets in the cage he lets them fly around the house which is what you're supposed to do if you're a humane person right but, but i'm uh, terrified that they're gonna fly at me or well matt can empathize with you on that one because two birds attacked me uh, really <laughs> yes. yes oh no so, so these macaws what they do is they run at your feet and slice at your achilles tendon with their beaks <laughs> yeah. they have giant beaks and they and they slice at you and, and so matt found out that they're territorial uh, because <laughs> I used their bathroom, apparently. Oh, yep. no. And so I went to the bathroom, but it turns out it's these two of the 18 birds' bathrooms. It's and uh, bathroom. And I uh, came out, and uh, two of them were just pissed that I was in there, and they came with their wings spread, and they were making weird noises at me. And I thought it was funny, and I tried to, like, shout at them to see if maybe they'd back up. But that, no, my they weren't was, uh, it, was not, it was not even my best effort. I was, I, was just too, <laughs> I was too scared. And they basically came at me, and I shoved my foot out forward like Achilles tendon away like toes out yeah and both beaks clamped down on my sneaker Ugh. and I hopped backwards towards the exit of the room that I was in because we had been warned about the Achilles tendon thing yeah so I thought running try to run around them they just go for my Achilles You're tendon right, and I was sure. running away so I hooked them onto my shoe and hopped backwards to get away from them and this was before we interviewed Heidi that's right. terrifying it was, it was terrifying. one to be fair both of these birds were about 50 years older than Matt that's true, because yeah. the cause lived to like 100 years. You know who told yeah. us that? Heidi Fleiss, Hollywood Madam. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the the next thing I wanted to ask, I like to ask my guests what they do besides the things that they do. So obviously, mm-hmm. we know that you guys are podcasters and comedians and proverbs, sound guys. What do you guys do kind of in your downtime that doesn't have to do with any of those things if you have a I hand paint time? collectible Civil War figurines. <laughs> why do I not believe you? Because uh, I'm lying. <laughs> oh, okay. That would be okay. why I don't believe you. <laughs> that's a good uh, reason. Jacob, what do you do that's weird? I don't know anything uh, that's weird. I, closet I, full of knives. <laughs> I, I keep a closet full of knives. Uh, but but other than that, I I um I do out I do outdoorsy stuff. I like going to the lake in Las Vegas. I like doing doing that kind of thing. And uh, other than that, I just I mean I'm just a normal guy. I like hanging out with with my buddies. All right. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm pretty I'm really pretty boring. <laughs> oh, and I and I drink a lot as, oh. as as one of the as one of the scoops is pointing out. Paul. Paul probably has the most like kitschy out outside yeah. of work types. He says to the guy the wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. I just have right the now. most addictions. I just uh, you know I I buy movies and video games and your house yeah. is a shrine. Yeah, you you have a you have a room full of toys. Yes, they're yeah, not toys. S- they're action figures. Well, no, they're not. They're toys. <laughs> they're toys. My second <laughs> no, yeah. The, my I hate the naysayers. <laughs> no, but the <laughs> second bedroom is is all is all my stuff. My wife is the most sweet understanding kind uh person and she has let me keep my collection on display in my little second room which but is just my mecca and i just go there and hang talk out. about it you have the every simpsons one right yeah so the simpsons playmates line i have the full collection of the simpsons playmates line which took me about a decade to complete and then of course i've added some of the new neca figures that just got released and uh then the uh, masters of the universe classics line i have almost the entirety of that which has been running for eight years now which is a figure a month subscription service but it runs even more than that like this month there's three figures coming in the mail it's like uh but i know what you're thinking matt how does this guy still have his lunch money i don't know yeah yeah i feel like me and paul would have gotten along very well in high school i am i feel like if paul and i didn't do comedy i would have beat paul up in high school Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. and that's why now it all works out but yeah and uh you know i'm always digging around for uh weird movies and uh i'm slowly completing my kung fu collection i'm about eight dvds away from uh uh, this this list of of great classic kung fu movies and yeah so I mean yeah you know, just a collector I just buy shit I have uh, two kids and four jobs so I yeah. have no hobbies you have no hobbies you have you have two hobbies job. yeah maybe three what are you the what family you oh you mean yeah. taking care of them yeah well but I mean they they become you know, if you, you got ca- to ride you, that train with Keeler. That's that's a, a, yeah, I ride tiny trains. That's, <laughs> that's my hobby. That's right. a great hobby. If, if I can find a tiny train, I will. I will. I will ride it. <laughs> um, and uh, I will. Uh, yeah, I'll go to Jimboree. So I guess you could say I do that. I'm familiar with Jimboree. I have a nephew in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so, I, I've I've heard yeah. the, the name. Um, so I'm guessing that that your two kids are too young to listen to the podcast or the com- or your comedy. Correct. Yeah. 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 I mean, they just. Yeah, I, I'm not actually uh, uh, going to actually be that uptight about cursing or content because I feel like uh, giving that a value is actually what's wrong with our society in general and their approach to comedy. So I very much am passionate about raising my kids to just kind of understand what it means to have intent or not intent uh, behind insulting someone or not insulting someone. Right. Um, so uh, uh, whenever they want to, I will let them listen to what I do. And yes, it is filthy. <laughs> But your eldest is two. Two, yeah. Yeah. So it could be a while. Yes. Before they have an iPod. Yeah, exactly. Own. At least another year. <laughs> I just yeah. think I think when it comes to comedy, people just have it all wrong, and and they don't know why they laugh, and so they never actually thinking about it in any kind of true uh, academic or understanding perspective, and so like, uh, and I think like everyone thinks they're not conservative, 
and that everyone below them is conservative and everyone above them is a freak. Right. But they have no actual uh, terminology or compass or approach to figure out why that why that scale exists. And it bothers me. I can tell. Um, does so this philosophy about comedy is that just something based on experience stuff you've learned as you've been doing it just in your perspective on how you've picked it up yeah and just over the time like like uh like people get in trouble for making jokes sometimes they should get in trouble for making jokes sure. and sometimes they're absolutely wrong like you sometimes just because someone said a word uh in their joke they're being held against it you know uh, the example I always point to the most is Michael Richards famously obviously screwed up doing stand-up and stood up his whole career trying to do stand-up, you know, right. and he said the N-word 16 times in a row, you know, uh, and, and, and made everybody hate him. He says something very offensive right before he starts saying the N-word and the whole audience laughs and cheers, you know? Right. So Michael Richards, if you watch that clip on YouTube says, uh, you know, if this were 50 years ago, you'd be hanging upside down from a tree with a pitchfork in your ass and it gets this huge laugh, uh, from it. Which is proof that the people he was trying to put in their place were being assholes at the stand-up club, you know, um, and daring him to come at him, and he did, you know. Right. And then he kind of loses it, and he starts saying the N-word in a way that you think, wait a minute, I thought this guy was just putting two jerks in their place, but wait, he might actually hate black people. Yeah. And now he's not on my side anymore. Yeah. And that transition is like, to me, the quintessential like study of like offense. Right, you know, is like understanding uh, people's intention when they when they perform. So, like when Amy Schumer or someone like that gets in trouble for making the joke she makes, the first question you have to ask yourself is: Do you believe she is an advocate for prejudice? You know, right? Do you think she's an advocate for being racist? Do you think she's an advocate for making sure people understand Jewish people to be a certain way, black people to be a certain way, or do you think she's trying to mess with our perceptions of those people? Mm. And if the answer is the latter, then she's doing her job. Right. Well, I've always found like my favorite comedians were always doing that. They were trying to make you go, wait a minute. Oh, wait, that's a th George Collin would always say, like, I think about the shit that you can't, you don't. And I yeah. spend time thinking about yeah. that shit that nobody else thinks about. Because if it's not comedians, then who's going to do it? Right. If someone's not going to, if someone's not going to poke at the gray areas of our society where we can try to encourage people to laugh off the tensions of life. Who better to move the pawn pieces of our logic than comedians? Right, and sure. if you dance on that acceptable PC edge for a living, you will occasionally cross over. But again, it goes to Matt's point. It's intention. Are you crossing over to try and make a broader point, to try and make people think? Or are you crossing over just to be hateful? And that's, that's it. If there's hate behind it, you can feel it. Yeah, I mean, smell that's the, it. absolutely. And that's the thing. That's the hard part about being part of the YouTube generation where someone would take a, a YouTube clip of someone's hour-long stand-up performance, take one joke and shove it on the internet and be like, see, look how terrible this person is. I mean, just right away, like you want to almost attack it like in a mathematical way. Like, okay, how many jokes did that person make that night? How many of them were offensive and anti this, anti that? You know, like how, uh, if you're going to really tear that person apart, you have to at least really look at the body of work or their intention because there are people out there who are racist and try to be comedians, you know? People are sure. out there that hate certain people and try to become comedians. Uh, but, my, guys. but my guess is that <laughs> they don't make it very far. Yeah. You know, because trying to, because comedians' job are, are no, no comedians uh, trying to advance hate are going to make it that far. Well, also, I've learned that, especially in modern culture, anyone with a, a pulse can call out stuff and be a troll. And that's, I think, the biggest problem also is like yes. people won't think first, they just react and they just lash out and mm -hmm. it's why I kind of hate the anonymity of the internet a little bit because mm -hmm. like anyone on Twitter can say 
call you out on something or say terrible shit to you and there's no sometimes no repercussion for it because you don't know who they are yeah. where they're from what they're doing and if they were right in front of you odds are they wouldn't say any of that stuff that's they, why I'm trying to stop the internet. Well, they <laughs> they can judge and they can critique and they can you know call all these things out and and yet they are likely not creators themselves. Yeah. And once you get into the side of the creator, you start to realize how easy it is to step on toes, whether yeah. intentionally or not, and how necessary it is to step on toes whether intentionally or not if you start to create things you start to understand hey somebody's probably not going to like this and i can't fucking care about that yeah. because if i do i'm going to censor myself and the material i create is going to be garbage because it's not going to come from a real place like matt and manley's ice cream social is filthy it is a filthy podcast but it's hard to listen to it if you really are listening to a few episodes i don't think you would describe us as edgy or pushing the envelope <laughs> or even aggressive or or anything like we have we are we basically are children like our humor is of like 10 year olds and <laughs> so we describe like either sexual situations we're very goofy and gross uh, but not in a way that i think you would find us to be uh, misogynistic or anti it's, it's the same way you were goofy and gross in the fourth grade yeah mm -hmm. and so like it's just, just silly and so like i think and some people try to ask you about the podcast i'm like ah yes i happen to curse or sometimes paul describes poop for too long <laughs> But like, it's, we're not trying Sometimes. to gross anyone out. We're not trying to like, we're not trying to antagonize or push anyone's buttons. Like we're just being silly. Sure. Well, right. I feel like with the podcast audience too, there's a niche for everything. Like I know not everyone's going to listen to me and two co-hosts break down an album for an hour and a half track by track and then talk about a topic in the music industry. That's not for everybody. But there are people out there who analytically look at music and who don't just hear something like they won't take, for example, since it's come up uh, a couple times on this cruise already taylor swift her newest <laughs> record and just go oh it's garbage because it's pop i'm like that's not that's not a perspective that's not an that's just bullshit you're like if you think that it's not good tell me why what's wrong with the audio quality what's wrong with the instrumentation tell me about the lyrics like you can't just say nickelback sucks which everyone loves to it's like yes they suck and here's why they suck that's the dismissive attitude of the non-creator type right yeah, they don't know what it is to make a thing so they just decide they can just hate a thing outright and i hate plenty of stuff but i got a reason for it exactly. i uh, i got in trouble misdefending nickelback actually <laughs> really yeah because i, I co-host penn sunday school and penn met uh nickelback the singer of oh, nickelback. chad kroger Chad Kroger and uh, who is just known as Nickelback, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Nickelback. Yes, Mr. Sorry, Mr. Nickelback, Mr. Nickelback, Nickels McBackback. Yeah, yeah, um, Mr. Nickelback. Sorry, as, as our scoops will point out, I've been drinking, <laughs> and, and this is a classic example of con content versus context, right? Because yeah. I said, I said, you know, it's a shame because Penn told this really funny story of meeting him in a bar, and then basically he knows he he knows that he knows what Nickelback is, you know. So he meets Penn and almost like defends. Who Nickelback is, kind right. of thing, you know, and um, and I said that like uh, I said, you know, it's a shame Nickelback has really become the carrot top of music. Yeah, and that's all he heard, and that's fairly and true. So Penn got more shit. Uh, oh, no. Then later, because saying, your co-host has ripped me apart on air and you didn't defend me or whatever. And I was saying that, like, because he because Mr. Nickelback and Mr. Nichols McBackback doesn't know right. that I love carrot top. Yeah, and then I dare comedy stops to go see him all the time because it is it's well, easy and, to and, shit and on Penn him. also Penn also loves Carrot Top. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, uh, uh, and so I was saying like it, when once you become the convenient punchline for something, 
you know, then it's like you, it means you also got somewhere yeah. too. You know, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to be that punch unless you were universally known. Yeah, the, they've become a ubiquitous pop rock band. Yeah. That's why yeah. they're the butt of every joke. Mm-hmm. You know, and there right. were other artists that came before them. Britney Spears was, yeah. uh, Michael Jackson was. Like every artist that hits a certain level get goes through that and they either grow yeah. through it or they succumb right. and, to it. And in truth, what has Michael Jackson actually ever done to get made fun of? Right. <laughs> And moving on. (laughs) (laughs) All I know is Mr. Nickelback is married to Avril Lavigne. So who's laughing? Oh, Oh, it's not anymore. Oh, they they broke up. Uh Did he find out about her Lyme's disease? Um, They got divorced actually shortly after the story of Penn told of them hanging out in the bar. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. Oh, that breaks my heart. Uh, Although Paul Avril Avril and I have had a uh, (laughs) we've had a relationship going for quite some time. Yeah. Oh, oh. So this is for you, Jake. This is awkward. Yeah. Avril, as she likes to be called. I call her Avril. Avril. I'm joking. I know nothing about it. Avril. Um, well, it's been really fun having you guys on the show, and thank you for taking the time to chat. Before we um, sign off... Um, you want to ask me 10 questions about Springsteen? I'm ready. Um, I could ask you 10 questions about Springsteen. I wouldn't Yay! know if you were right with all of them, but um, well, what's your favorite Springsteen song? Um, uh, tough call. I like have different favorite songs from eras. See, and that's that's the answer I want, and this is like... Before we wrap up, something that I love about talking to people about music is if you're passionate about a certain musician, there's never a simple answer. Like people always ask me, "Oh, you review music. What's your favorite band?" Well, I review a lot of music. I have a list of ten in one genre. You know, it's yeah. not that simple. So the fact that you responded with that, so give me a couple per decade. Okay, so like from the early like Jersey Shore trash, dressed like a pimp, like uh, play for four hours constantly <laughs> in the Jersey Shore Boardwalk era, first two albums days. I like uh, Kitty's Back. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, I love Thunder Road, even though some people find it be cliche from the Born to Run era. Okay, uh, uh, so when he s- switches his songwriting uh, to being about like, hey, we're young. We get the fuck out of town and starts talking about more general stories and improves his story writing because he got into Hank Williams and he goes over to Born in the USA. Um, I think Downbound Train is a, is an obscure track off of the Born in the USA album, which everyone claims that they hate that album, yet no one really knows that song often, but I love that one. It breaks my heart. And uh, let's see, from his recent stuff, um, uh, High Hopes, uh, the title track, which is a cover off of his latest album, uh, is a great, great song with like Calypso influences and stuff like that. That, that un, unusual. I really like uh, an obscure. Like he does. It, he did the Seeger Sessions band, right? Uh, oh Mary, don't you weep was from when he won. A, it was my favorite cover of Seeger. Uh, let's see. Clearly a passionate fan. Yes. Yeah. But I, I love finding that in in people who listen to music. Like I am a guy who is not ashamed to admit that he loves making themed playlists on Spotify. Ah, Video game related. I love um, it. I'll admit on the air that I make playlists about love for my wife constantly. Whoa. Uh, do you play them for her or do you just make them? Because <laughs> well, one, one is creepy. I, 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 <laughs> there's two types of making you should be doing with those playlists, my friend. Um, and so like, just hearing people get really passionate about music is something that I take really to heart because I'm an emotional music listener myself. Well, you'll have to listen to my song that I made for my wife. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. Before she was my wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we, fantastic. We played that on the on the podcast a couple of times. Uh, I'll have Paul, to go check that uh, out. has a song you wrote for his wife called Long Distance because they were uh, living apart from one another. Aw. Mm-hmm. That's very sweet. During our early courtship. 
Yeah. Mm. Uh, Saccharin. Give him, give him a little taste. Give him a little <laughs> no. taste. Yeah, come on. Give us a little, <laughs> happening. A little live performance. You're not no? getting an acapella. No. I can see your smile. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> you know what? Just play it. It'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, can just, we can just insert it here. Yeah, um, yeah, the yeah. magic of editing. Yeah. Um, great. Jacob, so, Jacob uh, so, yeah. It's, uh, what I was saying in wrapping up is do you guys have any advice for uh, podcasters or improvers or just people trying to break into any kind of new medium, um, words of wisdom on how to do it? Find a Jacob. <laughs> like That's a good start. No, like seriously, I mean, Jacob does a ton for our show. I I can never. I'm so happy that he's here with us on this inaugural trip. It means a, a world to me that he and SJ would both join us on this. It's just like his wife and him is SJ. Like seriously, right. yeah. Uh, my, uh, I'm so happy that they're here, but. The fact that our podcast sounds so good, that's like the first and foremost rule. If your podcast doesn't sound good, no one's going to fucking listen to you. So get it sounding at least good. If you wouldn't listen to it, if you play the audio back and go, man, that's a little tough to get through, hang it up, <laughs> find some new equipment, or you know, someone who can adjust that shit, because you know, it's, it's paramount. Uh, we're lucky on Ugly Couch. We got Todd's on the wheels of steel, making it sound yep. good. He's got, he's got a proper board you know what i mean invest if you're really passionate about doing it invest in some equipment that's going to help you sound your best uh it's really hard to be consistent <laughs> and podcast listeners really want consistency yeah and if you don't give it to them they really don't like you <laughs> they go from liking you to really hating you so we've been good i know it takes I mean, a not, lot of, not just consistency of content consistency of Delivery. releasing episodes yeah. yeah you know everything episode length yes it, i mean consistent consistency whatever that word means yeah yes. you have to be exactly what they think you're going to be in terms of availability and how often it's very difficult to keep up that schedule life gets very strange and when you tell your wife i just got to make sure we record a certain amount of podcasts before you give birth you get a lot of weird looks. Yeah, I got a weird look saying we have to bank a couple episodes of the podcast before we go on our honeymoon. Right. So yep. you know, it, yep. it's it's. I saw the look when you got, when you said, "Hey, we're going to record a podcast tonight." <laughs> I, I, I saw that look. <laughs> yes, I'm very lucky that my li- my wife loves me very much. Podcaster problems, baby. Yeah, it's true. Um, uh, Jacob, any from the sound side, any advice? Well, yeah, I mean, what, what Paul was saying. I mean, it's, it's you have to have the quality. You have to have just something that is pleasurable to listen to or at least not offensive to listen to right well in in quality content yeah content. Oh, content, <laughs> content we're very offensive to listen to i wouldn't listen to us we're, we're terrible in fact he's saying now on the air that he doesn't listen to you guys he never listens no. to the show he yeah. can't stand it no it's terrible <laughs> <laughs> well seriously it's been great getting to know you guys on the on the ship likewise been, thank you so much for having this me. is wonderful yeah. yeah it was a pleasure to have you um is I there anything I, I can't wait to start listening to the show oh, i I'm, I'm i'm really excited about it because I, I love a good music uh you know i, I love the music uh the, the critique shows yeah well, sound I, opinions is like been the only thing i've been able to find and we talk and about so them this too. will be great to hear so it, what's, what's your favorite joke my favorite joke <laughs> i mean i don't know that i have a favorite joke that i can remember i do like um a lot of george carlin i grew up watching george carlin okay. stuff Fantastic. And, good and um and he had a lot of physical comedy that i love you know okay and, like you talk and which would never translate on the audio cds which no I describe it let's get it <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Well, George Carlin, you had a sledgehammer. You would hit a watermelon with it. It was uh, great. Different, different George Carlin. Different George Carlin. That's oh. George Carlin too. Oh, um, I, I, sorry. I always get that confused. <laughs> I will talk about something briefly. Since you asked uh, my favorite joke, my favorite comedian for a long time was Christopher Titus. I loved a lot of his stuff. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah. And something I've learned from podcasting that isn't always 
great is I listen to his podcast also, and some of his, it's a shame, some of his personal views don't line up with mine. Right. And so I find that after that, going back and listening to some of his older comedy that I listened to when I was younger, I'm going, mm, that joke I don't find is funny. I absolutely am right with you on Christopher Titus. And and I love him as a person. I think genuinely he's a good person and has great, Sexy has great comedy. Sexy and attractive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> um, but I a just, tender lover. A tender, yes. So I've heard. A supple he will, touch. He seems like he would cuddle after sex and not he just does. fall asleep. It's, it's just, true. That's, he does. That's kind of, <laughs> he's attentive. It's wonderful. But, uh, but I find that I've fallen out of his comedy a bit. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite comedians still going strong that I, I've loved for a long time is actually Paul F. Tompkins and he doesn't do uh, a ton oh, of specials yeah. but mm-hmm. I love his stuff it's a little smarter same with Greg Proops I love his comedy also love Greg, he ha- Proops. Greg Proops has no beans about going down to a certain level for an audience if he's somewhere where they won't get his jokes then he just talks over their head and doesn't care oh, and I Greg think- Proops is a very very smart yeah. smart guy he's the yeah. smartest man in the world he is the smartest man in the world so says his podcast I love <laughs> his podcast just bought the book love it um, well, again, thank you guys so much for joining me. This was yeah. a pleasure. I uh, appreciate it. And um, is there anything you want to promote before we wrap up? Sure. Go to mattandmattingly.com. Uh, mattandmattingly.com. Spelled Matt like you would and like you would. Mattingly like Don Mattingly. Yeah. .com. From there, you can uh, find, uh, we put up every, a button for like every outlet you could have to a podcast. <laughs> Plus, you could also write us, uh, write email directly to us right there on our page. Uh, from there, we're also at Hey Scoops on Twitter. Like, hey, Scoops. <laughs> H-E-Y-S-C-O-P-S yeah, on Twitter. And, uh, we have a, a pretty good Facebook presence. You can find uh, Matt and Mattingly's Ice Cream Social on Facebook. Lots of cool little stuff there. And from there, you can find links to the Bucket Show as well, which is if you guys happen to be in Vegas, come check us out live in Las Vegas. We're also at Scoops on Instagram and at Scoops on uh, Tumblr. We've we, we, we branded. Yeah. yeah. And, and of Hayscoops. course, just uh, Matt and Mattingly's Ice Cream Social on iTunes is the obvious one. Yes. Yeah. Great, awesome, and um, again, thank you for taking the time. This was thank wonderful. you. This was awesome. Thank you so much. Great. Awesome. We're gonna stay in your honeymoon suite all night. Actually, yeah, I, I, I was hoping on it. Just so We're, you guys know, I'm a, I'm a cuddler also. Oh, <laughs> good, good. sweet. We're in for you, a win. You look like a big spoon to me. Yeah. <laughs> if you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.